Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. This is Jay Lockenauer with another installment of New Books in Military History. Uh, with me today is Dr. Giulio Ongaro, who is a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Milan in the uh, Department of Economics. And he's written a book published by Rutgers uh, Press called Peasants. This is Jay Lockenauer with another installment of New Books in Military History. Uh, with me today is Dr. Giulio Ongaro, who is a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Milan in the uh, Department of Economics. And he's written a book published by Rutgers uh, Press called Peasants and Soldiers, The Management of the Venetian Military Structure in the Mainland Dominion Between the 16th and 17th Centuries. And for all that that subtitle sounds like it would make the book incredibly narrow, I think it has some important things to, to say uh, to us about uh, important topics in military history. So thank you for joining me, uh, Dr. Ongaro. Thank you very much, Jay, if I may. And thank you very much for the opportunity to have this uh, interview and to present uh, my book. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? How, how did you come to this topic? What is your, what's your background that, that allowed you to write this book? Yes, well, uh, the, the book is the result of my uh, PhD in uh, economic history at the University of Verona that uh, I achieved in uh, 2015. And uh, before the PhD, I, I uh, achieved a bachelor degree in medieval history at the University of Foscari of Venice and a master's degree in the same university in uh, early modern history. And my background was uh, more on um, institutional history and political history of the mainland uh, Venetian, mainland Dominion, between the uh, 15th and the 16th century. With a PhD I, in economic history, I focused more uh, specifically on the uh, military part of the construction of the Venetian state in the mainland Dominion. And the idea was to understand uh, the research how Venice uh, structured its uh, uh, military uh, apparatus and uh, also the, um, the consequences of the uh, military structure on the economy of the, uh, especially of the rural communities of the mainland Dominion. And uh, this is my this is why i focused on this topic uh, so the perspective at at the beginning was more uh, an institutional perspective of construction of the state uh, of the um, relationship between uh, the state and the subject and also an economic perspective but uh, clearly when you look at the military structure and uh, at the construction of a military structure, the perspective became a military history perspective. <laughs> uh, 
Well, that's what I think makes one of the things that makes the book so valuable is it it, it does situate itself clearly in, in these military history debates that will be of interest to our listeners. But it's also a very, I, I'll use the term hardcore economic history. I mean, it really gets down into the, the nitty gritty of how soldiers get paid, how saltpeter gets produced, um, how the state mm-hmm. actually um, accomplishes these tasks. Yes. Well, I try to understand the practical management of the military structure. And, uh, well, clearly I, I dealt with this uh, the problem of the uh, military revolution debate. I, I had also the uh, opportunity to spend a few months at the Ohio State University with uh, uh, Jeffrey Parker and so to uh, debate my research with uh, probably the most important scholar in, in the topic. And uh, but uh, yes, my PhD was in economic in economic history, and so the uh, perspective was uh, the one of an economic historian. And uh, I, in my research, I focused on the uh, books of expenditure of uh, the rural communities uh, of the mainland dominion of the Venetian Republic, in order to observe the the importance of military expenditure in local economy, both in terms of uh, uh, public economy, so of, uh, uh, how rural communities paid for the soldiers, for the uh, fortresses, uh, for the war, but also in terms of uh, opportunities, economic opportunities for uh, the uh, Venetian subjects, in terms of uh, military contracts, in terms of uh, weapons production, and uh, uh, so on. Okay, well, uh, so that leads you to some different conclusions. I mean, I think the standard interpretation is one that state power grows in opposition to local power and local um, interests, local elites, and that the the demands of these, of you know, of fortresses and and uh, gunpowder artillery and so forth are what push that that growth, that development. But you you see it from a slightly different perspective. Yes, I think that the Venetian case studies is uh, very interesting in this sense because, uh, uh, well, it it is a, a strange case study because uh, Venice is a smaller public uh, during the early modern period. It played a, a not so an important role in terms of uh, military commitment or participation in European wars, but uh, Venice uh, developed one uh, a really modern military structure with uh, uh, the modern fortresses, uh, according to the Trust Italian, and also Venice was one of the states with uh, the uh, higher, probably, percentage of uh, uh, subject uh, soldiers in the army with a, a great rural militia. And this is interesting uh, exactly if we look at the uh, construction of the fiscal military state and about the relationship between the state and the subject and the importance of uh, coercion in a certain sense uh, in this process. Because uh, uh, in spite of being one of the, the, the European states 
with uh, the higher number of subjects in the army, uh, with a great participation of the subjects in the construction of the fortresses, in the uh, in the functioning of the maritime part of the army too. This was not the result of uh, an increase, or at least it was not only the result of an increase in the coercive capacity of the state. It was certainly also the result of this uh, increase, but it in uh, uh, and this is the main uh, thesis of the of the book. Uh, it was mainly the result of the uh, ability of the Venetian state, of the Venetian elite, to um, involve the uh, the subject elites, urban and rural, and mainly rural subject elites, in the management of the military structure. And uh, this means that uh, rural communities had to pay obviously, for the functioning of the military structure, for the uh, construction of the fortresses, for the production of the saltpeter, and so on. But uh, the rural elites and the urban elites, too, were free to manage autonomously the contracts. And so they, uh, they could participate with important economic opportunities in the functioning and in the construction of the military structure. And uh, I think that if we want to uh, summarize the content of the book and the sense of this, uh, uh, of the analysis is that uh, probably that in the end we can talk uh, about the Republic of Venice, but maybe also looking at other European states, we can talk not only about a compromise between state and local elites, but in a certain way also we can talk about a real convergence of interests between the state and the subject. And this is, I think, the, uh, the most important part of the book. So and that makes it make a little bit more sense, sort of how this uh, process develops, because it is also in the interest of these of these rural elites. Yeah, yes, it was not only a sort of imposition by the state, sort of conquest of the uh, of the mainland by Venice, but more a uh, a relationship, not clearly an equal relationship, but uh, uh, a very how can I say, a um, flexible relationship between the state and the subject. Uh, my thesis, uh, it uh, lays very much on the, also on the theory uh, expressed by Glade's book on uh, war and uh, state in early modern Europe, because Glade uh, talk about uh, the coercive role of the state and the process of legitimation of the state by the subjects. And I think that I've tried in my book to um, mix these two concepts and trying to uh, demonstrate that they are not uh, uh, separate processes. The legitimation and the coercion and the increase of the coercion capacity of the state, but they were uh, 
contemporary processes. I see. Uh, what does it mean? You know, so your focus on Venice is somewhat unique. Obviously, not for the early modern period, but we don't see a lot of uh, of literature written on on this period. Um, but also about the mainland dominion of Venice. Tell our listeners a little bit about what that means, um, why that might be a kind of surprising choice for someone to study Venice. Well, uh, this is a thing that uh, surprised me when I started research because, you know, Venice uh, is a, a very well-known city also in terms of uh, hist- historiography. and But uh, many scholars focused on the city of Venice, and a few scholars uh, analyzed the the mainland part of the Venetian state. And if we look at the uh, military side of the Venetian state, there are very, very few uh, researches on this topic. We have the two books, by uh, Mallet and Hale on uh, the uh, 15th and 16th century uh, Venetian army. And there you can find also a part on the uh, Venetian mainland state. But uh, this book stops around the beginning of the uh, 17th century. They don't... uh, look very much uh, at the transformation of the Venetian army and of the Venetian military structure in uh, in terms of uh, uh, modern army and modern military structure. There is also uh, an article by um, Michael Napton and Peter Jenry on the uh, 16th century and 17th century Venetian army, but uh, it is just uh, a research article, a smaller research article, a very interesting but uh, smaller research article. So uh, when I started my research, the topic of the PhD thesis, that is the topic of the book, was an a new topic, uh, and comp- and I decided to uh, deal with it, uh, observing the problem uh, from not from the uh, not only from the state archive of Venice, so from the uh, document produced by the state, but uh, I have decided to uh, collect the documents and the sources in the municipal archives of the rural communities of the mainland Romania. So as someone who's not a, an expert in this field, neither in, in terms of Venice nor the early modern period, I, I do know about the Venetian Navy. So I would assume that much of the literature also deals not only with the city, but then with the Navy and the maritime uh, imp- significance of Venice. And I, I found it fascinating that, that the... the the, the army side was was just as interesting. Yes, uh, well, the the maritime power of Venice and the uh, maritime organization of the of the army is probably the most well known part of uh, the Venetian history, and uh, that is why I choose to observe the other side of the 
of the problem and uh, probably a completely different side because the military organization of Venice in the in the sea was more uh, centered on Venice it was more controlled by the state while looking at the the land part of the army of the military structure we could observe i could observe uh, the uh, the um, the role played by rural communities and uh, the process of uh, uh, how can i say of the um, delegation i don't know if it's right in english uh, of uh, uh, yes they're all played by the rural communities so not uh, a structure built with a prominent role of the capital and of venice in the payments and in the management of the uh, military structure. I also learned a, a great deal about the production of saltpeter, which was rewarding for me because I teach this in, in classes, of course, the advent of gunpowder weapons. And, and I talk about saltpeter as a, as a really significant resource and, and one of the bottlenecks in the, in the production of gunpowder. But I never, I hadn't really paid any attention to how it's actually produced. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that since you seem to know? Yeah, it's an interesting part uh, of the research, uh, and uh, well, on this topic, uh, I may I can suggest some uh, uh, articles uh, and also a book on the saltpeter production in the Republic of Venice by Walter Panchera, he teaches at the University of Padua, and uh, uh, it's interesting because uh, while well, the production of the gunpowder was centralized in the arsenal of Venice because it was a very uh, critical part of the functioning of the military structure, especially in the uh, 16th and 17th century when the use of the uh, of the uh, artilleries and of gunpowder grew. But uh, the production of the saltpeter, of the uh, main element that uh, was used for the production of the gunpowder was, uh, was accomplished by rural communities and uh, completely autonomously. Because Venice said, okay, you have to send me every month, every year, a certain number of uh, a certain amount of uh, uh, saltpeter, but rural communities had to construct the uh, storehouses and all the structures for the production of this uh, uh, of this material. Venice uh, contracted the production to uh, specialized workers, and then rural communities had to. Uh, construct all the um, storehouses and so on and to find the ships for the uh, for the production of the um, 
yes, of this uh, uh, fundamental element because uh, every community had to uh, find around, if I'm right, uh, 200 ships for uh, each storehouse. And with all the problems of uh, management of the ships, uh, of the uh, fields, uh, and so on. Explain the why are sheep important. That was part of what I meant about the, I really learned about how salt <laughs> is produced. Yes, the, the, this is the most interesting uh, part of the story because uh, Uh, ships had to um, enrich, <laughs> I don't know if it's the right uh, term, but I think yes, to enrich the, uh, the, uh, the land, the, the terrain that uh, then will be uh, used for the production of the saltpeter with a chemical process of... Uh, um, a very complex chemical process of boiling of the land that uh, I'm not able to explain in, in uh, very uh, scientific terms. But uh, it was a very long process. Uh, but the first part was exactly the enrichment of the, of the land by the, by the ships with the organic uh, production of okay, the Okay, very good. The I, I'm certain that I couldn't explain it in Italian, so uh, you've done very well yeah. to explain it in, in English. Maybe it'll, it'll pique the interest of our listeners and they'll go uh, research a little bit more. But it is a very complicated process that has to be carefully managed in order to produce the saltpeter. Yeah. Um, so this is the kind, of, the kind of detail that I found very... Um, uh, very enjoyable as part of the book. I mean, it is, it's, a, it's a densely researched you know, PhD thesis, but it's also got this, this rich detail that makes it, um, that makes it very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe about the research process? You mentioned that one of the things that you do that is not very often done is research in these regional and, and municipal archives. What, what else did you find there? Maybe that didn't make it into the book. Well, um, this is probably the, this has been probably the most difficult part of the research because, uh, Municipal archives uh, are often uh, in um, municipal libraries or uh, in uh, in the house of the priest of the community, and often you have not an inventory of the material. You don't know what you will find in the archives. So I I had to to do a lot of uh, uh, spend a lot of time in looking. Uh, uh, to the uh, archive and to go in the small uh, villages of the uh, Venetian uh, mainland. But uh, uh, these archives uh, probably are underestimated by the, uh, historians because actually they, they preserve a lot of uh, uh, material, a lot of documents about the administration of the community. Documents uh, from the 15th or the 16th century uh, about the administration, but also, and this is the part uh, uh, that I was looking for, they preserve also the uh, accounts, the books of expenditure 
the incomes of the community and the expenditures of the communities. And often with a very, very um, a specific description of each uh, expenditure for every month of the year and often for centuries. And so it is a very, very uh, important and interesting uh, material sources for uh, historical uh, research. And uh, maybe the uh, part, the research of the archives, the part of uh, uh, found the archives, it's, uh, it's an hard task. But often you find very um, uh, generous and uh, uh, interested uh, uh, municipal workers that uh, give you all the material. You can make photographs and so on. So uh, the the task is not so hard. And I repeat, the the documents are very very interesting because you observe the problems and the functioning of the state structure from another perspective, not from the state perspective, but also from the local and municipal uh, perspective. So you can find the decisions uh, taken by the municipal councils about the payments of the rural militia, about the payment of the uh, horsemen, you can find the, the payments themselves and uh, a lot of uh, uh, information that uh, you cannot find in state documents because this part of the management was completely uh, left to the uh, local authorities. Well, it's a, I think it's a common feature of these interviews that we often, many of our authors have an have an archivist to thank or or that kind of archival experience where they get the the assistance that they need. So that's one is one of the joys of this of this profession. Well, I want, I want to thank you for taking the time to discuss your book. Can you tell tell me a little bit about what you're reading now? Something you can recommend to our listeners. You mentioned uh, Jan Glet's book on uh, war and what is it? War and society yes. in the early modern state. I'll try to make sure that that um, appears in the blurb because that's a very important book. But what are you what are you reading today? Well, uh, actually, I'm uh, I'm focusing with my research on a little bit different topic, but not so much dif different because I'm. Uh, I'm working on uh, the uh, contracts for the army and especially on the uh, food contracts for the army. But uh, in these terms, I, at the moment, I'm reading the book of uh, uh, Pepin Brandon, War Capital and Dutch State, 1588-1795. That uh, I think it is uh, very interesting also uh, from the point of view of the topics that uh, I, I try to uh, analyze in my book. Uh, that is the relationship between the state, the army and the economic part of the, of the army. And the relationship between state formation and uh, uh, contracts and involvement of uh, economic elites, subject economic elites in the functioning of the military structure. And so this is at the moment 
the the book I'm reading. <laughs> okay, great. Well, it's good to see that your this research is getting taken up in in other places too, because I think that's the value of it. It sort of opens the door um, so that others can can see if there isn't a, a similar story somewhere else. Yes, and the Dutch state is also an interesting uh, uh, comparative uh, uh, element, yet yeah, because uh, the Dutch Republic was. Uh, quite similar in a certain way in, to the Republic of Venice. That is why I was, uh, I am reading this, uh, this book. So yeah, sm a small state, primarily maritime power, but, but also very close to some other significant land powers. So I had to build fortresses and things like that. So interesting. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining me this morning, or I guess it'll be, it'll be afternoon in Italy and um, yeah. uh, congratulations on the, on the book and best of luck with your future research. Perfect. Thank you very much for the opportunity and I hope that uh, the discussion has been uh, interesting for, uh, for you and, uh, and also the book. Certainly <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.